<laughs> well, indeed, Speed read the, the 800-odd pages last night. But, Sakina, I think a momentous a moment for us in this country to finally see this uh, first part of the report released. Incredibly important, I think, for us to develop an understanding, um, and I think uh, not only of what transpired in state capture, but to read a report that's so very clear in its recommendations of who should be held accountable uh, and the urgency with which they should be held to account. I think often one anticipates from reports like these that they are frankly long rambling documents um, that uh, that you know as they say kick for touch don't try and and pin the blame on anybody and I think it was really refreshing to be able to to see the candor with which uh, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo and his colleagues have uh, penned this report and uh, you know and they've made it very clear who's responsible and and of the need to act. So the question now is what next uh, because the action, as you say, uh, seems rather clear-cut in terms of who should be held accountable for what, the sort of action uh, that is recommended. Uh, but um, where do we go to from here? Let's start with the NPA in, as an example. Uh, again, much of the information that was ventilated at the commission was information that was by and large already in the public domain uh, that had been canvassed through other means. So... They haven't acted at that point. What should we expect at this point? Sakina, I think it's a, that's an incredibly, incredibly important um, point to make because I think that the argument is going to be from politicians and heads of some of the anti-corruption agencies that we need time to study the findings. Now, that's all well and good, and the president uh, should have, he and his colleagues should have the time to study the findings, but we cannot have a situation again where we see complete inaction. Uh, you know, to use the a pertinent example, we, we had an interaction six months ago, and we have not yet seen any you know, proper process in holding a whole range of people to account for that. The same applies here to the alleged crimes or the crimes that are, have been detailed in this report linked to state capture involving corporations and politicians and others. The information has been in the hands of the NPA in some instances for years. We've seen initial processes around uh, prosecution. Sakina, we think about, uh, you know, the, the Stina Dairy case is a good example of those. But there are many others in which um, I believe the, the NPA was trying to make headway. Uh, the Transnet matter, for example, um, I would imagine other matters like SAA and the role of auditors. The, those, those, that material is all in the possession of the National Prosecuting Authority and its investigative directorate. And we recall in December last year, Hermian Cronier uh, resigned as head of that directorate and I think really exposed the crisis within the NPA and its inability right now to be able to tackle some of these high-level uh, matters. So I think that the pressure must be on uh, Advocate Shamila Batoy and her colleagues in, in a, uh, I think, in a respectful manner, but in a manner that says um, it's your job to ensure that we now hold these actors to account. You've had a lot of the material which was made available to you by the Zondo Commission uh, that they had collected already many, many months ago. So I think, Sakina, just to remind ourselves, um, uh, initially there had been a bottleneck where the, the Zondo Commission was collecting information but wasn't making that available, for example, to the NPA or, or SIU, etc. And uh, um, uh, it must be now more than 12 or 18 months ago, um, that flow of information was opened up to allow the NPA and others to start proceeding uh, 
uh, with their own uh, and the Hawks with their own investigations and ultimately prosecution. So so um, there is nothing holding um, any of these institutions back. If anything, including the NPA, this gives them, uh, should give them additional um, uh, appetite, but also give them additional support in their, their, uh, their, their actions to hold the powerful to account. Mm. I just feel that we've been here before uh, where you kind of get to a point where you believe that there's enough evidence on the table uh, to proceed and for the South African public to see people being brought to book. But now, as you say, it is uh, some 8 million pages of evidence later, a billion rand in cost to the South African uh, public purse. Surely there, there has to be action. But how do you go about applying that pressure without necessarily interfering? Yeah, I, I think there must be the action. I, I agree that you don't want interference from particularly the political head being the president uh, and his cabinet uh, minister of justice, for example, dictating who must be prosecuted. But that's precisely why you do have a commission of inquiry to gather evidence in a public manner. And then the pressure needs to come from different places. It definitely needs to come from, from within civil society. But let's use an example where we don't see the pressure, Sakina, is parliament. Now, parliament, the buildings have been destroyed in, in that very suspicious fire this week, but we should be seeing uh, the members of that committee of parliament meet, even if it's on the grand parade in the next week or two, and they need to be calling the heads of institutions to say to them, right, what are you doing? Who are you holding to account? When will we see action on matter X and Y? And Sakina, I would argue they don't do that once. They do that every month to say, we've spent a billion rand of money on, on a commission of inquiry. We've seen Almost 2 million South Africans potentially lose their jobs as a result of state capture. We owe it to those people, to the people who weren't able to catch a train this morning, people who did not able to get uh, access to proper medical care uh, over the weekend. Um, and part of the, the reason for that is uh, the impact of, of state capture. And we are going to be tenacious in our, 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 uh, our efforts to ensure that you do your work. We're not asking you to do superhuman activities, but we want you to get on with it. I don't think we see that, for example, from the National Prosecuting Authority right now. And and I think that it's very important um, that we don't seek to undermine the institutions, but we need to put pressure on the leadership of these institutions to perform and to do so quickly. These are large corporations that they are dealing with, the Bain and Company, McKinsey's and others that are implicated, Nedbank for that matter, Sakina, and of course, very powerful politicians and political actors, whether it's the, you know, the Brian Molefes or the Jacob Zumas or whoever else in the world who are implicated in this report. And, and uh, uh, it's important that, that we, you know, for those reasons, that there needs to be a concerted um, effort within society to deal with it. And maybe, you know, the point to make as well in terms of Executive, the role of the executive, Sakina. I do think um, there are bodies like the Anti-Corruption Coordinating Committee. Um, uh, there's a, a National Security Council that's been appointed around the president. There's no reason why the president can't say, I would like all of these bodies to get together in a room and to start to, to in a way, divvy up the work, decide who's going to do what, exactly coordinate your strategies, how is state security going to assist the Hawks in some of their final investigations, the math, you know, what material does the NPA need? Um, obviously, the NPA must finally make its own decision on, on how who it prosecutes. But, but I think that the, the state and state capacity must be utilized to support the anti-corruption agencies and for them to work together in ensuring that there's a, that there's a relatively speedy, effective prosecution process 
give the other side the opportunity then to appear in court and uh, the lawyers will argue we know in some instances for many months and years but the more pressure you place on these networks right now the greater the likelihood is that we can stop them from re-establishing reforming in different ways uh, of trying to 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 capture state institutions uh, w- which i think we all fear might happen again and the separation of powers is uh, extremely important. And the question for me here, Henny, is conversely, when we look at Parliament, for example, you know, you spoke about monitoring and um, the report also speaks to that role of, of monitoring what goes on. Um, also, the establishment of yet another body uh, that would look at um, corruption and uh, the procurement process in particular. Uh, what did you make of that, uh, given that we already have so many institutions and, you know, in order to do precisely what this seemingly would be set up to do? How, what did you make of that recommendation? Yeah, Sakina, I think it's it's uh, so. The, so as you say, the, the the report speaks about the creation of a new uh, anti-corruption agency or anti-corruption authority that would primarily be holding um, uh, the corrupt uh, to account who are involved in procurement corruption and act very much like the competition tribunal does. From what I understand, the recommendation suggests that they would have a, a a tribunal, that there would be a court that effectively would be aligned or, or as part of this. And so they would be able to also investigate matters and see them right through potentially uh, to a, a prosecution st- a, a prosecution stage, at least in order of, uh, in, in order to level fines. Um, I think imprisonment would still have to, if there was to be a criminal prosecution, that would have to happen through the NPA and the other court processes. Um, but Sakina, to answer your question, um, I um, I think that it's it's there's it's an interesting approach, um, but I think fundamentally the question is why are the existing institutions not working effectively? Uh, why is it that the hawks have been captured to the extent that the Zondo Commission basically says in the last ten years we've seen multiple heads of the hawks removed, interference by corrupt chiefs of the police, and the result is that the the institution is dysfunctional, um, uh, and equally we've seen uh, a range of problems within the NPA uh, over over the last um, well over the last decade um, and the, and I, I do worry that the idea is to create yet another institution without fixing those that we have uh, it's all good and well then to say well this is going to be a new super institution with new oversight powers etc but if we again come back to the point that we have a parliament and elected officials in place to in, uh, to ensure that that oversight takes place uh, how have we allowed as a society this, you know, for this kind of of um, uh, corruption in these institutions to take hold and therefore to block their effectiveness in, in tackling uh, high level state capture and corruption? So I am I, I'm very cautious in, in suggesting that this is uh, this is a good idea. I think it's one that needs some further conversation and, and discussion. But it, we can't go around creating new institutions without making the existing institutions work. And and I worry that um, for all its good intentions here, the commission thinks that they want to come up with a nice pull a rabbit out of a hat here. But, uh, but fundamentally, they we're dealing in the same political system in the pay, same, you know, the same group of politicians and other people that have allowed the rot to take set, uh, you know, set in in other institutions 
are also going to be the people that will ultimately be making decisions around budgets and other things for this institution. Uh, so, so I think if it was very targeted, if it worked in coordination with other institutions, uh, I think it should have an opportunity for us to consider it. But uh, I, I do think this needs a, a moment for pause. We shouldn't just jump at this as a, as a shiny thing. Uh, and that will give us a sense that we are tackling corruption when all we are doing is potentially setting up a new institution, which might very well fail us. Mm. And just finally, Henny, um, also mention made of the role of Parliament in executing uh, their oversight uh, duty, uh, but also National Treasury being mentioned and uh, the fact that National Treasury is, of course, the architect of uh, the public procurement system uh, that is the one that has failed and uh, brought us to the situation where the state-owned entities are failing. Um, What was your take on that? Yeah, I think it is important to recognize the the failures in in a range of institutions. And I think that National Treasury is not immune to that. Um, You know, when we look at at, uh, at the the kind of measures we've put in place to ensure that public funds are well utilized, Sakina, um, and where Treasury has been instrumental in developing those, for example, the Public Finance Management Act, or for that matter, the Prevention and Combating of Corrupt Activities Act, the, the, the report by Deputy Chief Justice Sondo makes the point that both those pieces of legislation that have been placed for uh, 15 odd years have only seen one prosecution by each one of those those uh, those pieces of legislation, one effective prosecution. Uh, so that's two in total out of those two pieces of legislation. Um, and, and I think that what it speaks to is both the lack of um, appetite from the side of the Treasury and others to be being much more forceful to say that we want to see uh, where we have we have we know there are instances of public funds being abused, of public procurement corruption taking place that we want to see those successful prosecutions and they need to be far more far more uh, vociferous but equally i think it talks to the many problems that have beset public procurement and despite the repeated attempts at reform within this process it simply hasn't resulted in any action i think the the report by by the deputy chief justice does of course make these recommendations for example that in future we need to allow for private institutions um, to be allowed and private law firms that which is what it really will be Sakina to be able to themselves get permission from the state and then uh, I would imagine from Treasury and the NPA and then to go ahead and prosecute companies who are involved in procurement uh, corruption I think so it is just to that a point one. if I may just mm-hmm. interject there mm-hmm. uh, because I don't want to miss that point uh, Henny sure. uh, with regard to the role of uh, the state advocates office because mm. we don't speak much about them. But, you know, the report basically says that um, it, it's baffling why you haven't seen any civil uh, litigation in trying to recuperate the monies that were lost. Yeah, I, I think that um, when we look at the state advocates and the state attorney's office more generally, I think there's uh, there's a lot of reason to be concerned there, Sakina. And I think we see that in a range of matters that we are involved in. And just uh, not to bore you or the listeners with details, but just receiving papers from some of those offices and, and, and seeing what a muddle they are in sometimes. I'm not even a lawyer. <laughs> I'm able to spot that. And so I think that that is, is, should be of great concern uh, to us as, as, as citizens. I think this is really in part where it comes down to the issue of coordination within the state and the role of um, of the executive here to play a supportive role in coordinating 
the responses. And and I think what's happened is, um, Sakina, is I, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that the president tells us yesterday that he wishes to eradicate state, state capture. Um, he is unlike he is very much like most politicians around the world who tell us that they're going to you know they're going to kill corruption. Well, none of them ever will, but we want at very best for them to better control it. And right now they are far from doing so. So I think that the 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 mechanisms have been created by this president and previous administrations to ensure the coordination between various agencies. And coordination isn't so that this is just you know to manage the egos. That that's one thing, and we have no time for that as a public. But what we are more interested in is that they are effective in what they're doing. Uh, and I think it's to manage that effectiveness. Um, and, and I think that that is the role that uh, that the president and the presidency should be playing. And maybe let me make this point, Sakina. You know, I, 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 a year ago, President Ramaphosa, at the State of the Nation address, told us that uh, he was setting up a a um, civil society, government, business, trade union-led uh, commission on corruption, effectively, that would then guide South Africa's national anti-corruption strategy, our kind of blueprint on how to tackle corruption. It took them, them being the state, exactly 12 months to issue a call for proposals on who would um, be members of that commission. There's no, frankly, any seriousness, no urgency, no desire of urgency right now. And so the president can try and put lipstick on that yesterday, as he did, but his own administration is failing at showing urgency to date. Uh, he now, and I think that's the that's the political challenge that President Ramaphosa and his administration face, face, is to show that urgency. And I think they need to do that in their actions. And there are things that they can do. They can't just say this is merely up to the NPA. It's to deal with a crisis within the Hawks, for example, and within the police where you, you have um, corrupt individuals. How soon are they going to be removed? Those are all within the ambit of the powers of the executive. So so I think there's a range of actions that um, that are possible, Sakina, and they're not beyond the imagination. Uh, they take they're going to take some you know some hard political doing. But if this administration is serious about tackling corruption and its impact on ordinary people and the human rights of South Africans, then I think it's it's uh, it's time we see action and we need to continue to place pressure on this every day. This isn't a once-off report. This is a document we can use to monitor the progress uh, of, of the political elites in this country to hold other powerful elites to account. Final question, Annie. We are into news time. Uh, so in that report, it also speaks about monies that made their ways into the ANC coffers, at least in two instances where this was clear, the Blackhead Consulting and uh, the EOH uh, with the late uh, Joburg Mayor Jeff Makubo uh, that is contained in the report. So you have the president of the country who is also the president of the ANC. How do we expect him to deal with this? Uh, Also, remembering uh, what we saw or heard at the end of uh, last year about uh, that leaked audio from an NEC meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's um, it's it's there is a potential, obviously, for a conflict of of interest uh, between party interest and state interest. The president's primary responsibility is to the nation and not to his political party as the head of state. I think that's what the constitution demands of him and of his cabinet, most certainly Sakina. And I but think you heard the, what the, he the, said, uh, that he would rather fall on his sword, um, well, but uh, protect the ANC first. Well, 
Well, absolutely. And this is precisely the moment where the president should be called before parliament to explain. And I, I keep on coming back to that, Sakina, because it's parliament's job on our behalf, the people, to hold political leaders to account. The president must account for those kind of statements in a forum like that, where he can, he can be grilled by his peers who we have elected. And I think that's the, the challenge we need to be putting to parliament. But clearly, the issue of uh, party funding, as you raise, is a one that leads to corruption. The report by the Zondo Commission is crystal clear that it has been a, a route for corruption. They've also made it clear that the changes to the Political Party Funding Act uh, from last year have not gone for, far enough. And I think they've put, put forward an important agenda on how we should further restrict the kind of monies that uh, can go, go to politicians and the amount of monies that are used in elections. And I think those are all promising signs. Uh, again, a, a genuine call for reform that we need to heed. Hini, thanks so much for speaking to us. And uh, that's a great note on which to kick it off. Uh, Hini Van Fieren is uh, the director of Open Secrets.